I, I heard last week, last week I was at the Alliance of Renewal Churches gathering in Southern California and was not able to hear Mark's message or see it live. Uh, how many were here for that? I heard it was challenging, uh, moving. Yeah, was it good? Okay. Can someone give me in a couple words how it blessed you? I'm going to challenge you with that. I would like to hear. It's a selfish moment. Anybody? Not all at once. Trusting in the Lord. Oh, it's a good segue for this morning. What else? Yes. Okay, God doesn't want me to be perfect with myself, but honest. <laughs> God knows all things about you, but how many of you, it's, it's hard to offer up that honesty and that information, even though he knows? Raise your hand. Come on, let's own it. For how many of you is it even harder to offer that to someone else? Ah, and the life of following Jesus is to allow our lives to be known. Is it not? As he had made himself known in his death and resurrection. Completely known. Does he hide himself from us? No. So the more and more we step into his presence and the word we heard was trust and trust him with ourselves, the more and more we can say yes to the moments we have to be authentic and vulnerable, allowing ourselves to be known. It's hard when we, when we shelter ourselves behind these walls, and oftentimes those walls are made up of guilt, shame, resentment, bitterness, all of the above. It's self-preservation mode, is it not? We can't afford, those of us who are yoked to Jesus, we cannot afford to keep those walls up because we're going to miss the blessing of his healing, of his majesty, and of his grace and mercy. And so... God wants to move us into a place of honesty with where we're at and who we are. So that he, it's not, he doesn't need information from us. It's so that we know. He doesn't need to know about us. He already knows everything about us. But we need to know a little bit about him and what he's doing in the midst of that. So today, we have the equally challenging task of that word trust. And we're going to go through Psalm 20. How many have read Psalm 20? Okay, good. It's a great psalm that doesn't necessarily get as much attention as some of the others out there. But it's a unique one because we're told that David is the one that records this. It's a psalm of David. But it's the voices of the worshipers of God, possibly people in his army. And it's, it's his allies, his family, if you will, of believers that are charging him, that are praying on his behalf, that are standing with him, that are pleading to God. It's a cool thing. This is the worshipers of God. This is you and me. And when we hear what they say, I want you to pay attention. Okay, I'm going to read this over you. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to do whatever you need to do. You can read along if you like. But I want you to receive this because what we're seeing, remember, this is a posture of the psalmist, not just the psalm itself but the posture in which it's given. And David records this because it's worth noting, the people of God model something here that we can learn from. And I want us to take note. 
So starting in verse 1. So just relax. Sink into God's presence. Notice them. Here we go. Oh, and before I do that, what questions do we ask? Number one, God, what do you want to say to me in this? And second, how do you want me to respond? People of God, may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of God, of the God of Jacob, protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. We will shout for joy. What's that word? Oh, you knew what word I was talking about. Shout for joy when you are victorious and will lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. We're going to spend a lot of time in this verse. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Those that trust in chariots and horses, they are brought to their knees and fall. But we rise up and what? Stand firm. O Lord, save the king. Answer us when we call. All right, if I'm the king of Israel, if I'm David, and my people are praying for me like that, is that a cool thing? Now, these people have seen David's relationship with the Lord. Have they not? They've seen David struggle, but they've seen him stand in the name of the Lord. They have confidence in the name of the Lord. We can go back to 1 Samuel 17, which is what? David versus Goliath. Yeah, you already knew that. Because I told him. <laughs> Sounded all smart, Mark Zamora. He is smart. I said that. Did I not? Defending him. God. And we have this scene, David, this, we, most of us know it, young shepherd boy. And the long and short is that he is not afraid to go out and face this giant. Now, this is not one of those go face your giant sermons, okay? But I want us to take note of this because we see from a young age, David knows where he stands. God is settled for him. There's not this wishy-washy, will he show up, will he not? Is he going to do it in my timing or... His own, what's it going to be? I don't know. How many have been there or are there? I, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. He takes his five stones. He goes to the front line. And this is what he says to the Philistine. You come against me with sword and spear 
and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. And then it gets real colorful after that. And I know it's family Sunday, so kids, sorry. Let me read that one more time. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. That is the same God that we serve today. There is no difference. It is the same one, and you know what David did. I mean, if we were there, I would, man, all, all my words would be colorful. Oh, snap. You know, there's bets being taken. Here's this little shepherd boy. Bam. And now we go to Psalm 20, and he's about to go out into battle again. Remember how God was faithful, and when Saul was after him, remember the faithfulness of God. The people have seen it. Now, here's the deal. They say, we don't trust in chariots. We don't trust in horses, as many do. It is the same thing David said to Goliath. You come at me with your chariots and your horses, but I come at you with the name of the Lord God Almighty. The people of God are saying this, not just the one that is mature in God and in Christ, not just David. This is the people of God. These are the people just like us who are acknowledging this and they are shouting this out. They are praying this over him. They know. They've watched. They know the power of God. But what's important to notice is here, they're blessing him. They want the Lord to provide David and their kingdom with all the blessings of the heavenly realms you can think of. I mean, they're naming everything they can think of. But in verse 7, when they say some put their faith in chariots and horses, I want to focus on that today because for most of my life, that's been me. How many of that is you? No matter how long you walk for the Lord, we have those moments where we start putting our faith in other things, and then guess what? We add the name of God on that. Right? Look at the political arena. Well, I'm fighting against this in the name of God, but we're not standing with him because everything we're doing is causing more division. Not life, and I'm saying as a whole and generalizing here. It, it goes from small things to big things. We want our causes to be God's causes. That's what we want. We may not say it that way. God forbid I ever admit that and say that out loud. I want my causes to be God's causes all the time. Because then my life would be easier. So I think. How many of you have had an easier life doing it your own way? Oh, guess what, though? This week, we'll keep trying to do it again. Right? Rearranging the furniture and thinking it's a different room. But God wants to swap out that furniture and put in new stuff. And he wants us to trust him and not in the things around us. I, you know, I... I preach this stuff all the time, and I'm telling you, I get tested with it all the time, and I fail all the time at it. And it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. 
I, I'm in a situation right now, full disclosure, where my, my hips, I got to get one of them replaced and, and the other one, they have to do this fancy schmancy surgery on it. Only like one guy and five people in the country can do it. You know, it's just like, oh my goodness. And you're putting your faith there, right? That they're going to be able to fix this stuff. So last week I went to um, the Alliance Renewal Churches Gathering. It's a network of churches that we're affiliated with. And I felt the Lord telling me that I just needed to watch. I got to go at the last minute. And so it wasn't enough time for Mike Bradley, the president of the ARC, to give me any responsibility. So I loved it. I could sit back and watch and just ask the Lord what he wants to say and, you know, uh, pretend that I'm following what he's saying and wrestling with it. And I remember it was uh, the second to last night, and a guy who's preached here before named Graham Sellers out of uh, Gilbert, Arizona, was uh, preaching, and he decided he was going to do a little prophetic time because the Lord was giving him some words. And when the Lord gives him words, you kind of listen because he writes it all down, and, like, I, I recognize how bad my vocabulary is. Okay, I mean, it's eloquent, and you're like, I can never say anything like that. But he said, someone here has bad hips. Well, he knows I have bad hips, so immediately, guess what I do? <laughs> and then he calls it out. He goes, Bren, we know you have bad hips. Who else has bad hips? The Lord is saying that we need to call out the people with bad hips. So a few people raise their hand. Now, right before I left for this, I did something in my shoulder where I felt I tore it, and I've torn it before, so it was the same feeling. Massive pain, okay? Now, fast forward. I'm sitting in the back, and he says, all of you with bad hips, stand up. So we stand up. We're not to pray for your hips. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) One of you or some of you, we're to pray for your shoulder. And in the back, I did say out loud, oh, snap. (laughs) Very loudly. And what was so neat was, the, the people around came to pray for those of us that were standing up, and I'm pain-free in my shoulder. Yeah, it's amazing. And I'm going to be honest with you. I say, you know, I pray for healing for people and all of this, but I have no space for it in my life. Anyone else like that? I just go, I don't, I can believe it for others, but it's hard for me to believe it myself. And I realized where my trust had been. And God's saying, okay, your hips are the big deal, but I want to remind you that I'm still here. You can still trust me. Here's a little reminder. Boom, shoulder done. You may have bigger things in your life, but when you put your trust in me, it may not happen. The things may not happen when you want them to, but they will happen the way I want them to and when I want them to. You don't stop trusting because it's inconvenient. These guys are going out to battle. They may lose their lives, and they know it. But their trust does not stop. It doesn't stop. Because our lives are hard does not mean the trust stops. Well, God failed me. No, he didn't. You didn't wait long enough. We are so impatient. I know people that have been praying for family members for over 30 years and they never stop. Does it get discouraging? Yes, it does. Does that mean we stop trusting? No. Easier said than done, right? Easier said than done. 
But here's the deal. When the people look, when people out here, outside of these walls, look at the church, what do you want them to see? What do you hope they see? That's not rhetorical. Tell me. What do you want them to see? Christ in us. What else? Love. What else? Acceptance. Hope. Joy. Faith. Compassion. Confidence. Forgiveness. Unity. What else? Generosity. Peace. Trust. None of them can happen without it. None of them. You cannot love the way God loves without trusting him. You get pieces of them. But to love the way God loves, we need to say, you have all access. And all access pass to my heart, to my time, to my bank account, to my relationships, everything. The people need to see the worshipers of God saying, I do not trust in chariots and horses as some do. I trust in the name of God. My life might look like crap compared to yours right now, but guess what? When I continue to step into the presence of God, we will be the ones standing with him, giving hope to the world, hope to you that may judge me. Paul is in prison when he's writing a lot of his letters, and and, and prison guards are coming to Christ because he is worshiping God and trusts God in the moment of terrible circumstances. See, our horses and our chariots are the conditions that we think need to be present for us to actually trust God. I'll trust him when I have this. I'll trust him when I have that. Can you trust him when you have nothing? Can you trust him when you don't have answers to questions that you've been asking for years? Are you willing to? Because no one in here can say, I've given my life to Christ, and then hold back who they are. Because then you haven't done it, right? Now, it's, it's, a, it's a process. <laughs> I, I pray and hope each day God has more of me and more of me and more of me. Okay? But he doesn't want pieces of us. He wants all of us. Now, that might seem, well, duh. Yeah. Duh. We keep struggling with it, don't we? We have to be repetitive. We have to remind ourselves because this is an example of the people of God trusting God and shouting it out. They're not apologetic about it. They're not crafty about it. Who's watching? No. They're letting God do what he's going to do. Now, I'll tell you what, I've never been in battle. I know some here have, those who have served our country. And when you're facing death, that would be a hard thing, would it not? To trust God knowing that you could go at any moment. When you're in a household where you've been abused and you don't think it's ever going to stop, how do you trust God? When you've been a victim of violence of the worst kind, how do you trust God in that? The conditions of this life cannot dictate our level of trust. We have to trust him no matter what. 
And praise God for the family of God to encourage one another in those times we want to give up. Now, for some, this might seem like a simple word, but God moves mightily in the simplicity. And this is so important for us to know and understand because we're in those times. Times have always been hard since the fall. Always. Nothing new. But we're here now, and it's hard. Can we go out and say... Some may trust in chariots and horses waiting for the right conditions to trust, but we trust in the Lord God. Can we do that? That's how this world changes, folks. Because then we go places no one will go because we trust that God will lead us, protect us, guide us, give us everything we need in that moment. Believe me, he leads me to places I don't ever want to go. And sometimes they say no. And I don't like the feeling after that who's done that. Because we see here, (laughs) when some trust in chariots and some in horses, they're brought to their knees and fall. How many have experienced that result when your trust is not in him? So, what do you think will happen if we don't trust if we don't at least struggle and wrestle with the challenge of trusting, we are always going to fall to our knees. We're always going to burn out. It's not just because you do it in a more crafty way. It's the same furniture in the same room. Just moved around. The result will be the same. And I'm telling you what, I am tired of it personally. The fatigue is too much. But see, this is why intimacy and being known, going back to the beginning of this morning, is so important because it's the only way that we can truly walk together and trust is if we work through the hard task of relationship to allow ourselves to be known, allow ourselves to be known, the good, the bad, the ugly. And again, that's a process. I'm not saying cast your pearls before swine, but when God says, I want you to share this, you got to. Because oftentimes we go, that's a no-fly zone, Lord. But we're not going to step into that next level of trust if we cannot go into those places of vulnerability with him. When David falls with his adultery, it's because he shut that part off. Mark said, why didn't, why didn't uh, David go and play his harp? Why didn't he do the things that he does to be known and connect with the Lord? He shut himself off. And once he did, that's when stuff started happening. He shut himself off. How does life break through if we shut ourselves off? Here we see an example. Upon possible death, the people of God sharing who they are through and through. Here it is. Open nerve. Here it is, God. We will trust in you. That doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable and painless. But it means life, love, grace, mercy, and all the characteristics that you had earlier you had mentioned earlier are going to pour out of your life. It it, it will happen. 
It's not, it might happen if you trust God. No, it will happen. It's a guarantee. How many of you right now know something God's asking you to trust him with and you're not doing it? Raise them high and look around. This is not about judgment. You're in good company. <laughs> Me too. How many of you feel it's silly? Anyone think it's silly? Yeah. No, nothing too big, too small. Okay. How many have had trouble trusting in the past with something that, and it just wrecked you? Okay. God wants to redeem that. I really believe he does. But you have to allow him to do that. You hear that phrase? We have to allow him to do that, which means we have to willfully give him access. Does he know your situation? Yes. Is it a different story when we give him permission? Yes. Yes. Because now he can mess with us. You know, I don't like it half the time, but I like the result if I'm able to stay with him. And that's the task we have, folks, is to be vulnerable before him at all costs, at all times, and we do that together. I cannot tell you how many times I have fallen for the Lone Ranger technique. My relationship with God is mine and mine alone. Who said that or heard that? And those are frustrating people to minister with, too. I don't need the body. Yes, you do. You may not need the church that we've created the church to be, some of it, but you need what it was meant for. You need, we need each other so that we can cry out the way the worshipers of God in Psalm 20 did. You guys might trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the Lord God Almighty. So my question is, do you? Don't answer me. Do you? Because I'll tell you what. The answer is yes. Even the answer is no. Have fun today. And I mean that. You're going to have opportunities all day to trust, to hand over the stuff that we're hanging on to. It could be vices. It could be decisions that we have to make that we've not yet made. It could be fear. Anxiety. And those things are not so easy to let go of, but are we willing to start the, the, the journey? Because that's what it is, it's a journey. That being said, I want to um, end our time and, uh, with a blessing. I just want to bless you. Um, so if you just posture yourselves to receive, we're just going to take a minute and ask what the Lord wants to say. This is important stuff, folks. Trust unlocks the kingdom of God within us. It really does. It unlocks all that stuff that God wants to do in us and through us. And so if there's walls, if there's things going on in us that are keeping us from stepping out one step at a time into trust, we want to take the authority that we have in the name of Jesus and start destroying that stuff. Amen? But we have to allow him to do that. So Lord, we, we say right now, what do you want to speak to us? 
individually and corporately right now in this time. So I want you to make this your prayer. I want you to look at the things that you have not given over to the Lord. I want you to look at the things that maybe are a wall or a block that you need to trust the Lord with. Picture those things in your heart. I want you to name them in your mind if you can. And in in your heart, I want you to claim this. Whatever that thing is, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty because we trust you, Lord. I pray against fear in the name of Jesus. Fear be gone. I pray against shame and guilt in the name of Jesus. Be gone. I pray against worry. I pray against anxiety. I pray against numbness in Jesus' name. You have no place in our hearts anymore. God, I ask that you would fill those spaces that have occupied our hearts so long with unhealthy, life-taking things, with your love and your grace and the assurance that we can trust you. Increase our faith in Jesus' name a hundredfold. That those things that come in our way that try to remove us from your presence and from who you are, from staying with you, from staying yoked to you, where you say your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We want to stay where you are. We say to those things, you may come against me with your schemes and with your plans, but we come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. We thank you, God, that you're patient with us and your greatest desire is that we would walk with you. So show us how to walk with you in the areas where it's hard for us to trust. Show us how to walk with you when we're afraid. Show us how to walk with you when we are waiting, waiting, and waiting. Pray that we would never let go of the trust we have in you just because it doesn't fit our timetable. That we would stand with you, not just for you, but we would stand with you. We thank you that you offered that kind of intimacy and proximity to your presence. And so we say yes to you.
We ask that you would bless our tithes and our offerings. That our trust in you would manifest itself in a way that you have full access to all that we are. Again, relationally, financially, time, it doesn't matter. All that we have is yours. I pray that we wouldn't be afraid of the offering plate. We wouldn't be afraid of the person that needs our ear. We wouldn't be afraid of taking time to be with someone. That we would trust you, even when we don't have the words. We would trust you. Would you bless us time, this remainder of time we have together in worship, communion, that we would acknowledge you as the great I am. And we thank you that you call us your beloved. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.
Yeah, lift your thanks. Thank you, Lord. You are good. You are good. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know why that is such a powerful song? That's like my favorite praise song right now. And the reason why, it calls us to a place of trust no matter the circumstances. Every circumstance is the right circumstance to trust God. You don't have to wait for one. It's right now. Do you believe when the night is holding on to you, he's got you? Do you believe that when the night is holding on, he's still good? Do you believe that he's still good? Because he is. Jesus in the garden, as Sharon said, did not want this cup. He was honest. He was honest. Our Savior, our Lord, our King was honest that he didn't want to be on that cross, that he didn't want to experience separation of God. But he did because he trusted him and because he's good no matter what. Can we face death and terrible circumstances and cry out, you are good. You are good. So, Lord, you are good. And we go with you as you go with us. And we will trust you in all circumstances because in all circumstances you are good and you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. In the mighty name of Jesus, the King of our hearts, we go with you, Jesus, as you with us. And your family, all say in the name of Jesus.